Hello, and welcome to The Personal Wealth Coach with Jake and Jeff McClure. We are going to talk to you today about weird stuff happening in the economy. That's right. Things are not um, same old, same old these days. We This is not business as usual. There's a bunch of weird stuff happening. And we want to talk about some of it, uh, about uh, how the European war is affecting our economy. What is it that you had to, to say? A quick, brief summary of what you're going to be talking about. Well, the economy and markets are behaving differently than they've behaved in a long time and possibly differently than they behaved since the end of World War II. So it's worth looking at. Yeah, we're going to be looking at some of the global indexes out there, including the Japanese index. We're going to be talking about other countries as well as our own because the world is changing and we're part of it. It's kind of nice to be aware of it. So that's what we have to talk to you about today. And if you'll wait through this wonderful bagpipe music, you'll hear us introduce ourselves again and hopefully talk about the things that we just told you about. Once more unto the breach, dear friends. Else fill the wall up with our English dead. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Um, maybe you're not ladies and gentlemen. You so could maybe just say good day, good day, good day, good day, and good night to you all. It's funny moving from live to programmed and recorded is strange because we used to say good morning, and it keeps trying to jump out of my mouth. Live is different than recorded. In case you were wondering about that. This is the personal wealth coach, uh, Jake and Jeff McClure are sitting here. We are both bald. We're both bearded. We are uh, very deeply in love with puns and other word nerd type stuff. We're also the principals at us and an SEC registered investment advisory firm called the personal wealth coach, just like this podcast. That's not a coincidence. Just because the firm is registered with the SEC doesn't mean that we have some kind of anointment from on high. They're just the regulatory authority. We have no more anointment than you do when you go to the DMV and get a driver's license. They maybe gave you a less than mean expression as you were having your picture taken. And that is the extent of the registration with the SEC. It doesn't make us experts. We had to go and do extra learning to do that stuff. Uh, so that's the registration. And just because we're registered to give investment advice doesn't mean we can give it on a podcast. In fact, by definition, we can't. It's not private. We don't know everybody that's listening. or Maybe we do. Hi, Bob. Hopefully there's a Bob listening because... I just said hi to you. If there's not a Bob listening, you can all assume that there is one listening. But that's the point. We are not private. So what are we doing well, we instead? Could, we, we, go could, ahead. we could we could start off like a physicist and or assume, an economist. Assume and a Bob. No, no. Use assume a Bob. Yes. Right. We're going to assume a Bob. That's that that is a one word sentence. Assume a Bob. Uh, we are, uh, let's see, I, I got all messed up in assuming Bobs. So let's see here. Uh, this is not investment advice, it's education. Hopefully it's education. It may be re-education. If you are having trouble with the government, they may have you listen to us for a while and we will re-educate you to love what you have been. No, that's not That's not us either. Um, it's not Soylent Green either. Uh, so those are all of my disclosures and you have a good one to follow up with. Well, the information that we present on this educational podcast 
has been obtained from sources we deem to be reliable, but we make no warranty or guarantee as to the accuracy or completeness of said statements. We do, however, warranty and guarantee that all unsaid statements are incomplete. There. We have given our warranties and lack thereof. Um, you are now treading in the dangerous waters that we've just described. Um, right. So you had something you were talking to me about just a moment ago about what's going on in the world and post-World War II, and that's exciting stuff. Let, let's jump into it. Go ahead. Well, the thing that I think is important at this particular moment in time is to recognize that unless you're like me, really old, the both the markets and the economies in the U.S. and the world are likely to behave differently than they have in your lifetime. Why? Because the world order is changing. Things are changing around the world, and we make some we we economists particularly, and certainly market pundits, try to pretend like the stock market and the economy is physics. It's not going to change. It's just yeah. going to be whatever it is because there's some underlying law that makes it happen. Well, there is an underlying law that makes it happen. It's the law of supply and demand. But that doesn't mean that patterns we saw in the past or behavior that we saw in the past will occur in the future. Uh, as is famously written on a lot of places that nobody pays any attention to past performance and no guarantee of future returns. What am I talking about? Since World War II, the United States has basically imposed a world order on the world. And that world order said increasing free trade and increasing globalization. It has raised the standard of living of people all over the world, but it's also made some people unhappy. And we are seeing a regression from the underlying factors that propelled the world into the prosperity and peace cycle that we saw following World War II. If I and may step in different. for just a moment, uh, I have some popular mechanics uh, books and so on with summaries of what was going on. It's actually in physical format, not online, which I like quite a lot. And it goes back a century or more. And reading through it, seeing articles about this new concept of free trade and this new concept of trading with China starting in the 60s moving forward, the new concept of opening up our markets and the other markets to be more global. That was the new world order. And if you hear people ranting against the new world order, almost always that's what they're talking about. If you listen to a, a very conservative talk programs or very liberal talk programs, they're going to talk to you about the new world order of borderless, free trade everywhere, um, the UN is going to take over the United States. That's simply not the way it is anymore. We've moved away from that. That's the old world order, and that was a direction that we were moving. Things are changing. We're getting farther apart rather than closer together. As technology brings us closer together, we're putting up barriers between each other so that we don't have to touch. And I'll hand it back to you because that kind of fills in. Part of our prosperity comes from new markets, right. new, new labor, new, new supplies of different things. And it doesn't mean, by the way, the fact that the the thing that created the prosperity following World War II is deteriorating doesn't mean that things are going to fall apart. It doesn't mean that if you're an investor, you should bail out and go hide under a box or something. It does mean that assuming that what happened over the last several decades will continue to happen into the future is a bad idea. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, I suspect 
we're going to see the United States stock market soar. We're going to see a lot of prosperity in this decade because we're in the middle of... Let me give you an example of what I mean by this. NVIDIA is a U.S. company. Mm -hmm. Its stock went up a little bit recently. That's an understatement. Yeah, it's like 700% over the last two years. You take the Shanghai Index, which is the major... The Shanghai stock market, which is the major market in China, and the second largest, which I think is in Hong Kong, add the total capitalization of all the companies on those Chinese stock markets together, and NVIDIA is worth more money. And NVIDIA is not the biggest company on our market. Right. It is $2 trillion. And it's either two or three. I know that sounds stupid, but I can't remember which. $1.72 trillion. Okay. Close to Um, So the issue is that what's going on in the United States today is light years ahead of what's going on in the rest of the world. We are dealing with an economy that may be growing too fast, which is the concern in the markets that the Federal Reserve, there's discussion this week that the Federal Reserve may need to raise interest rates rather than lower interest rates because the economy is just basically running too fast. Now, I don't think they're going to do that, but that's our problem. We have to deal with the fact that our economy has a tendency to be running too fast at this point, that we have every digital, every every statistic suggests that we're better off financially and every and, and productivity-wise and everything else than we were before the pandemic. Uh, even counting the inflation that occurred during that period of time, we're better off. But Europe is teetering on the edge of recession. China is probably looking hard at a recession. If they, I know they're claiming they're not having a recession. They're claiming they've got good growth at 5% growth this year or something like that. But the indicators we get looking at the, the imports in China and the number of lights that get turned on in the evenings and things that suggest that their economy is declining, their population is declining. So what we've got is a situation where the United States is doing great. The rest of the world isn't. Uh, we've got a lot of motions that look like we're moving towards World War III, very frankly. Um, I know that sounds awful and terrible. We assume the exchange of nuclear weapons in World War III, but it very well might not happen. So things are very different at this point, and I think it's important to recognize they're different. Now, let me give you something else to be concerned about. If you're chasing the Magnificent Seven, if you're in a S&P 500 stock index fund, and that is being driven by the Magnificent Seven, and you consider yourself to be a passive investor, and you're very, very happy because these seven stocks, which include NVIDIA, by the way, are shooting up so high that your balance in your portfolio keeps getting bigger and bigger, and you're really excited about that. Let me point something out. The, at least until recently, maybe still, the third largest economy in the world is Japan. Japan. Uh, uh, Germany just passed Japan for that, so they're not the Germany. Fourth. Germany has technically passed Japan, but we haven't had official records of this. Right. So, so let's just, let's just, just, just take just a look in this at little Japan for me. Brief Japan's, yeah. and I may be pronouncing it wrong, Nikkei stock index, which is the equivalent of their S&P 500, hit a record in 1989. It has come back through that record this week. In between 1989 and the 34 years that followed until now, that index had a significantly lower level. As a matter of fact, it was down for a long time, down 80%. And it's only 35 years. So, and if we if we count inflation, the Nikkei stock index hasn't come close to recovery. So had you been in a fund or an ETF, which didn't exist back then, and you invested in the 1980s when Japan was busily conquering the world and Back to the Future came out and everybody was going to be speaking Japanese because well, Japanese had an edge over everybody. When we say conquering the world, we mean economically. There was a different right. era where they were conquering the world physically. Right. Uh, so they're, they're rolling along and a lot of people put a lot of money 
particularly in Japan, into that into that index. 34 years later, the dollar value of the index has recovered. Factor in inflation, and they're not even close. We, we had a, a little thing, a running discussion that we had in our office in the 90s. And it was a good way of comparing the United States against Japan as far as uh, ec- economics go. You, you just add an extra digit to the end of the Dow Jones Industrial Average, and you were pretty close to the Nikkei. So if it was at 38,900, the Dow was right around 3,890. And you come forward to today and the Nikkei is just past the 39,000 mark. And where are we in at the, at the Dow? Uh, I, I think we're 39 something. I, I can look real quick. So. The Dow is hanging out now, um, as soon as it loads up here, uh, at 39,069. 39,069. And the Nikkei is now at 39,000, um, what? 39,000, what did it say? <laughs> 39,441. Okay. So the, 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 the Dow has gone up 10 times. Right. And used, it used to be 10 to 1, where you look at the, the Nikkei, and it was 10 times the Dow. Now it's equal to the Dow as far as the numbers are concerned. Now there's, you can say, well, how about dividends and how about this and how about that? And you can throw it back and forth. But I also want to remind people, this happened in the United States too, just a different time. Had you invested in the then very still, still quite popular or becoming very popular S&P 500, low cost S&P 500 index fund, and had you done so in 2000, it would have been 13 years before you saw a recovery. Dollar recovery, not counting inflation. Now, does that mean you should get out of stocks? Absolutely not. The issue is investing in a dumb, thoughtless way sometimes works very, very well, but often is very painful. So if you take a look at the market and you say, what part of the market should I be investing in? What? Why? What? How do I expect to see my money grow? Now, people don't normally do that, but if you're a serious long-term investor, you need to do that. For example, if you're into Bitcoin, what is it that's driving the value of Bitcoin? People and I buying think, Bitcoin. That's what drives well, the value of Bitcoin. Why are they Bitcoin? buying? It, and there's, a, there's an economic theory that goes with that. It. It's called the greater fool theory. And that is, it's not worth anything. It's really, Bitcoin was originally marketed as a currency. Mm-hmm. And it is not functioning in any form or fashion as a currency. There, there's little bits and pieces of it that function in here and there for short periods of time as a currency, but it's not a currency. It's just a token. It might as well be baseball cards. Yeah, and that's, it might as well be stamps. That is the point. There is that when we say the greater fool theory, people think we're denigrating it somehow. That crypto is bad, and there's a lot of people that have done well in crypto. Certainly. We're not saying that that's not a possibility. There's a lot of people that have done well in trading cards. If you understand the market and you spend the time figuring out that Mickey Mantle was uh, an important person in baseball, you'll figure out pretty quickly that everybody else knows that too. The problem with Bitcoin is that it's a lot easier to research Bitcoin than it is to research every available baseball card. So the the market's very efficient. Everybody's buying and selling on the same information. You don't have people that don't know about a an obscure baseball player that happened to break a record or something like that. So it's more difficult to have a strategy that makes a profit based on knowing something in the market. 
in crypto. And that's kind of the reverse of what people think when they approach crypto. Mm -hmm. They think of it as some, you just have to figure out what the secrets are. The secrets aren't there. There are no secrets underneath why one cryptocurrency is up and the other one's not or vice versa. I strongly suspect at some point the crypto market will crash again very, very thoroughly, very thoroughly and stay crashed. Yeah. And there's a reason for that. If you look over the long term, and presuming that you're an investor rather than a speculator, you're into long-term investing. If you look over the long term, there is no question that stocks, for example, are valued by the performance and earnings, that's profits, and an underlying value of the company that you're buying the stock in. When you buy a share, you buy a piece of that company. If the company performs well into the future, then over the long term, that stock will tend to rise in value. If you buy companies that are effectively bankrupt so that you're just trading the stocks, which is what has happened several times recently in the recent past, then why would the stock go up? It goes up because more people are buying it. Well, why would they buy it and not just all sell it and go away? And the reason is they buy it thinking somebody will pay more for it than they did. Yeah, It's essentially something worthless. I hate to say this because I know People get angry at me. I've got people I know very well and care for who would get very angry with me if I said Bitcoin is worthless. It has no intrinsic value. By intrinsic value, we, what can you use it for underneath? If it's no longer being used as a trading item, what can you use it for? If you have a playing card and it's got a picture on it that brings you nostalgia and you're holding it, it has some entertainment value. But if nobody's willing to buy the cardboard... What can you do with it? And that's when we say no intrinsic value. It doesn't mean that Bitcoin isn't trading above $51,000 of Bitcoin right now. It means that what would you do with it if you weren't just trying to sell it later? You can't do anything with it. Now, let's compare that. And I'm not, by the way, I want to make a very, very clear point. I'm not recommending you go out and buy NVIDIA stock. Absolutely not recommending that. We don't do that kind of thing. But let's compare Something else that has soared into the stratosphere, NVIDIA, it has risen more than Bitcoin this year. Why? Well, because they just reported, for example, a 265% increase in quarterly revenues. The company is making money hand over fist. They have patents that they own. They own something on certain chips that all of the artificial intelligence projects and physical development are dependent upon. And let let me go a step further because we were just talking about it. The vast majority of crypto mining takes place on NVIDIA products. They're using NVIDIA video cards to calculate the algorithm to mine Bitcoin. So they do something and people are willing to pay them to do something. It's it's like, and uh, let me draw a parallel to 100 years ago because we were definitely paralleling 100 years ago. If you found out that Henry Ford was making lots of cars and he found out how to mass produce the internal combustion engine and was going Ford was going to do wonderful. Well, guess what? Everybody else knew Ford was going to do wonderful too. If you found a component that was necessary for the manufacture of all those Ford trucks and automobiles in the 1920s that was going to change the world, and you found a company that had a patent on a critical component that made those Ford vehicles work, that Ford had to buy from, that would have probably been a pretty good investment. Yeah, that's a pretty Why? it's a good rationale for investing. Instead of would I, because somebody might pay me more later. Would I recommend you have all your money there? No. As a matter of fact, historically, those prices and all the things we're talking about have gone absurdly high. And that's the speculative side. And you can have speculation in your portfolio. If the speculation has a basis in fact 
for the investments that you're making. Now, the future is always uncertain, so who knows? But you have to see, there is a legitimate opportunity to make money in a high-tech environment where a lot of growth is going on, and you just have to look and see what you're doing. On the other hand, if you're a more tame investor and you see that AI, for example, is likely to lift the entire economy. Let me give you another example about something that's likely to lift the entire economy. I read an article today in The Economist on this. It makes very good sense. The war in Ukraine is benefiting the defense establishment in the United States tremendously. That's one of the the next subject that I have lined up there. Yeah. So we are, everything we send to Ukraine multiplies back to us as well, believe it or not. Yeah. So uh, we talk about industrial production and so on, and there's uh, different statistics that we watch. Uh, Anything uh, above 100 is above the 2017 mark, so the year 2017. Uh, Year 2017, we were sitting around 100 when it came to the creation of defense and space equipment in our economy. We're at Mm -hmm. 128.8. That's a significant increase. That isn't like a percentage increase uh, that happens once. It means that, that we are creating more stuff that the margins are higher on. So the profits are much, much higher than a 28.8% increase. We're creating 28, almost 30% more stuff for space and defense today than we were seven years ago. That's huge. Poland just placed orders for about $30 billion of Apache helicopters, the HIMARS, the high mobility artillery rocket systems, and M1A1 Abrams tanks are being purchased. So, I mean, it's, it's like a display cabinet happening over in Ukraine where everybody goes, whoa, you guys make good weapons. We need to buy those so that we don't get attacked. Or if we do get attacked, we can defend ourselves. So and that's an excellent segue there. Yeah. So if you really want to be a serious investor and you want to take advantage of AI, and you want to take advantage of whatever's going on in the economy, look deep at the negatives that are showing up in the world and say, there's a great deal of profit being made from those negatives by somebody. Then find the the somebodies, hopefully a group of them, because you don't want to be in one company with a lot of money. And you say, this group of somebody, this this industry, this area over here is very likely to do far better in the future than it's currently doing. And in many cases, you can go in and find depressed industries where what we love to buy is value, uh, where the price of the stock, if you took the entire all the stock outstanding and you look at the underlying value of the company, the stock is not worth as much as the company, which means you're buying the company at a discount. And this is the company that if war, if, if the world continues to drift towards war, those companies are going to make a tremendous profit. Now, you don't want to do one of them. This is where we get into trouble. You really got to know what you're doing there. And you got to have a lot of detail, which is very frankly why we use mutual funds. We go to the managers who know, who have large staffs and are looking really, really hard at certain aspects of the economy and certain aspects of what's going on and historically have been ahead of the game and done better than the indices, the indexes, the passive investor. And and it takes work to find those managers, which is what we spend a lot of time on. And it takes work to make sure that the asset class they're in is the appropriate one for this particular moment in time. And, and I'd be overboard for me to try to explain all of that to you. But the thing that I'm telling you is there is a way to invest going into a a different situation that isn't going to be like it was in the past. I'm not sure what it will be exactly, but I can tell you it won't be like it was in the past because the factors that made the post-World War II global economy what it was are quickly deteriorating. 
And I would not be surprised to find them gone in the next six years. I, so something else is going to be there. Right. That, and there's some really quick more statistics to throw in here. In 2021, one of the things we follow, and we get this from different um, places, but in this case, it's the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development. That's a very European-sounding uh, place. Well, it is in Europe. Isn't that amazing? The OECD has uh, tracks um, foreign direct investment to every country, country. So that means money from other countries flowing in for the purchase and investment in business. And in 2021, China was sitting on top of the heap. In 2021, for the first half of the year through June, they brought in about $321 billion. Why am I using half of the years? Because that's all that's available for 2023 so far. We'll know more in six months or so when they come out with the rest of it, but we'll be behind time. So China had uh, probably double this amount go into them, maybe a little less than double. 2021, a lot of stuff happened at the beginning of the year. So $321 billion through June. And in 2023, last year, they had $68 billion. So let's compare that again. $321 dropped to $68 why am I saying that? Because this is part of the change. China has made some statements and done some things and become allies or stayed allies with people that we truly deeply, heartily disagree with. They run their economy in a way that we really don't like as far as trade in general. By we, I mean the global market. So the United States in 2021, for the first half of the year, had $264 billion come into their country, into our country, as a direct investment from other countries. That's a lot of money. It's not as much as 321, 264. Well, what about 2023? 379 billion. And you compare that to China's 68 billion. And that's not a trend that's reversing. It's accelerating. There are fewer dollars heading to China every day and more dollars heading back to the United States every day as we onshore, as we produce more things, as we ramp up our defense industry. The rest of our industry will follow it because these companies aren't separated on their civilian side and their defense side. If they're building more, their machines are usable to build more on the civilian side as well. This is all good stuff. So what we're saying here is that the world is not what it used to be. It never is. Uh, Yogi Berra says it perfectly. The future is just not what it used to be. Uh, when we come up with these ideas of what the new world order is, we get it really, really branded into our brains. Even after that's not the world order anymore. Uh, there's no danger at all of the United States participating with a UN peacekeeping force in Eastern Europe to go out and wear blue helmets. And for the beginning of this century, for a decade, that was the terror that everyone had, that we were going to become part of the European um, warm to the world, but yet not really. Um, we'll make a whole bunch of money off of colonies and come in and look like we're really knights in shining armor when we stop them from fighting over what we left them. Um, that's not where we are or where we're going, and it never really was. Part of the reason why it never really was is because so many of us were afraid of it. We didn't want to be that. 
We moved away from it. And this is part of the reason why Donald Trump was so popular, is still so popular in groups, uh, because he came in and said, hey, we don't want to be that. We want to be the United States. We are exceptional. Uh, he said, make America great. Again, I tend to think America is already great. We just need to stay being great. And I know I'm putting, pitting my voice against somebody with the largest PA system on the planet doesn't make a lot of sense. But I think that the United States is by far the greatest country on the planet when it comes to the economy, when it comes to the vast majority of our freedoms with our ability to make a living, our ability to talk smack about our own government. Those are all things that we lead the world in. There's some things we don't lead the world in. Our healthcare is not great. Um, we have more debt than some other nations. We have less debt than other nations. Our mortality rate at certain age groups is higher than a lot of other um, industrialized nations. And we can continue down the list. There's lots of things that we can say, oh, there's a spot on that white paint job. But the reality is that as far as the economic conditions go, which to two economists sitting here talking to you is the most important thing. The United States is not only the best country out there, it's becoming greater day by day simply because of what you, listener, are doing, what we are doing in our day-to-day -day jobs and our day-to-day -day actions. And people say, you know, the work ethic is just not what it used to be. Look at it again. We say that every generation, but the reality is productivity is way up. Number of hours worked is up. How is that not a good work ethic? You can look at any individual and say, oh, this is a sign of the generation. But the reality is that each of these generations, we keep getting better. We keep bettering ourselves. And I know I'm making people stop listening because it's all good news. And good news really doesn't sell advertisements. It doesn't bring clicks. But it's something that we need to be reminded about re repeatedly. We are the source of hope for the rest of the world right now, unless you live in China or in Russia, in which case you think that somehow we have rigged the game and we're capable of winning with with whatever rigging is going on. I, if you live in those countries, I think based on strictly the numbers, and I obviously haven't been into China to ask people what they think about the United States, but there's a lot of people trying to get out of China and get into the United States. Yeah. And a lot of as people are getting I out know, of Russia and trying to get in the United we States. We don't have a lot of people leaving the United States and trying to go to China. If, if, if the Chinese people believed that the United States had rigged it and we were falsifying things and something was fundamentally wrong in this country, you wouldn't have people risking their lives to get here, literally risking their lives to get here. Yeah. Uh, so uh, even the people who live in those countries recognize what we are. We are, we are different. And we can, I'd love another episode that we can go into that and I can explain what I think is the reason we're different. All right. Well, thank you very much for listening. We have covered all of our topics. Uh, American ex exceptionalism seems to be our topic of choice today. Um, if you would like to talk to us off the air, if you want to give us some a piece of your mind over what we said today about Bitcoin or NVIDIA or anything else for that matter. Our email addresses are jeff at tpwc.com and jake at tpwc.com. That's Tango, Papa, Whiskey, Charlie, or The Personal Wealth Coach. You can go to our webpage, which I just told you the address for, where you can contact us on a contact form. You can listen to podcasts going back. If you found this podcast, you can find more. 
Uh, we have radio programs going back a long ways. We also have a newsletter out there. If you're interested, you can sign up for it, and we send that out. We write it in-house, and I think I'm a little prejudiced, but I think it's one of the best out there. Um, you can sign up for that on our website as well, or you can call us locally at 254-947-1111 or toll-free 1-800-914-7526. That's 800-914-PLAN. Until next episode, this has been the Personal Wealth Coach.